Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I am beyond excited to have my friend Todd Fiscus on as a guest. So Todd is the owner and creative director of Todd Events, and they have produced some of the most spectacular weddings and nonprofit events in Texas and beyond. And one thing we're actually going to talk about today is an upcoming event that he has been involved with for many years called Two by Two for AIDS and Art. It benefits AMFAR and the Dallas Museum of Art. And it's not every day we get to talk with someone who is really a creative genius like Todd. This event over the last 23 years has raised nine figures for these for these two very worthy causes. And I'm so excited to have you on, Todd, today. Welcome. And I can't Thank wait to you. chat with you. Thank you. be here. Awesome. So talk, talk a little bit. I know you've been involved with it for a long time, but talk about what the mission of two by two is. So two by two kind of was created out of from Cindy and Howard Grachowski's love for two different organizations. They love Dallas and they're big, big, big. Um, they're very, let's just say they're very invested in the Dallas Museum of Art. Their entire collection has been bequeathed to the museum. Um, it, it will, it's a longevity plan for Howard and Cindy especially, but they've also been a big part of AMFAR forever. And so they dreamed up, I think this is our 25th year or 24th year, um, doing uh, an event that split the net profit um, between the two organizations. And they started it as hosting it at their home. They would remove, they have a spectacular Richard Meyer residence here in Dallas that was honestly designed to hang art in. They would pull all their own collections out, hang all the donated art from their very good partners and you know artist community. And then they would sell those items and have a beautiful seated dinner for around, you know, some years it was 300, some was a little more, um, but it was smaller in scale. And it just became, I call it Dallas's Met Gala. It became the fashion party of Dallas. It became, the most outrageously, fabulously dressed people you'd ever seen in a party. Um, their headliners went from, you know, Gloria, from, a, you know, Gladys Knight to Barry Manilow to Liza Minnelli to Ryan Tedder to Diana Ross. I mean, it just goes on and on. And Rita Ora Diana, last year. All right, I've got to bring something up. Didn't Diana yeah. Ross once pull your husband, Sarone, onto the stage? She to did. Dance? Actually, I was on headset at the back of the room and I looked up and there was a very handsome man in sparkly clothes on the stage dancing with Diana Ross. And I didn't realize who it was. And then it took me about eight seconds for me to yell into the headset, get him off that stage. If she walks this job because some guest jumped up on stage I swear to God, I'll, I'll, he's out. It, I mean, it was it was bad, but it ended up. I found out she actually pulled him up on stage, and that made me feel a little bit better because if you knew him, you would know he would also just go up on his own. So um, anyway, so that was that was that. So it's just started there, and it's just turned into an annual celebration that just. Uh, and I won't say it gets better and better because that's not a fair statement. What makes it killer is its consistency. You know, it's consistent. The food is spectacular. The beverage sponsors are top notch. You know, it's like 
the experience is great. The entertainment is incredible and the art is beyond, right? So it's always remaining consistent in the message and they do not alter the program, which is one of my favorite things about working with Cindy. We are like, do not poke the snake. If this, you know, (laughs) you know, leave it alone. It works. There's no need to change it. The guests don't need it to change. It's, it's consistently spectacular. That's fantastic. And, you know, talk about how you initially got involved. How did you become involved, you know, with this vision that Howard and Cindy had and, you know, executing it on such a grand level for so many years now? Yeah. So when it started, I had met Cindy and Howard because I had done their wedding um, in 2000. And it was just a great experience for me. And I fell in love with them as humans. And I think the feeling was mutual. And so when two by two came around, they asked if I would donate the flowers the first year. Well, they'd been a big client. So of course I acquiesced and said, yes, Um, we still donate flowers every year. Um, But it, it, for me became, it just became a relationship. And then when I saw it installed the first time and I was just a player the first time I wasn't the producer. Um, I was just impressed, you know, I got to attend, which was great as a donor at that time. And it just, I was, I was kind of mesmerized by it, the art and just the quality of, you know, meeting all these very unique people from all around the world. That's the unique thing about two by two. Yes, it's Dallas centric, but the audience isn't, which just makes it even that much more intoxicating. It's not all the usual suspects. It's It's a lot of usual suspects, but it's not all of them. (laughs) Well, you can't have all of them. That's what makes it fun, though, is, you know, any great party is going to have a rotating and alternating, you know, and rotating and alternating guest list. And whenever I see the photos for it, it is one of the very few events I have ever had the privilege of writing that literally writes itself. I can tell the story based on yeah. the clothes that the people are wearing. That yeah. is how spectacular this event is. <laughs> and I write it, I, you know, people are like, how do you write that that fast? I literally write it in 15 minutes and don't ever have yeah. to edit it. Whereas with some other organizations, I kind of have to think and it writes itself. It, it's that. Yeah, it's but really to have that only 450 people in a room on average, I mean, it goes up and down. Yeah. But if you think about the average for a job that produces nine to $12 million out of an event in charitable donation out of only 450 people, that is massive per guest ratio. And they deliver, they deliver one of the best parties, I think, in the country. Absolutely. And so, and because they're consistent and they believe in their product and they don't skimp, they deliver a product that just knocks everybody's socks off. Like nobody wants to miss. It sells out every year. Absolutely. And it sells out really fast. And, you know, I want to talk about you for a second here. And, you know, <laughs> the thing I've always admired about you is, yes, you produce this event and it's really the best produced event probably anywhere. I would even say beyond Texas. It's everything's bigger in Texas and you know what's great about you know what you do versus like the Met Gala is you've it's not 450 celebrities it is regu- it is folk with celebrities and there's it just is. something magical about that so yeah. but in addition to that you know I've seen you at many other causes over the years so I know that you you know you mentioned you initially started you know as a donor and went the first year as a donor what compels yeah. you to say yes to a particular nonprofit 
Well, we, you know, we, you learn after a while of being in business that everybody you do a job for asks you for something for a charity, right? That's just, you know, it's been the nature of the beast. So a long time ago, I had to kind of define who we were as a company, myself as an individual and say, we support art, we support HIV and AIDS awareness, and we support, um, and I have a big kind of tender spot for the homeless. And so if the organizations fall into those categories of giving, then we support them. Um, I, you know, I have a child in private school, so of course I end up having to do a little bit of that. But, you know, I, I find that those three areas to me are really important to humans. So, you know, so I say if it's in those three, then we donate upwards of $200,000 a year of in-kind services towards those things. That's really great. And it shows what leaders you and Sarone are as, as a power duo, you know, within the community. I know you've chaired, you know, other things, you know, outside yeah. of two by two to do that, sure. to really showcase that. I know Sarone's based in Houston. I've seen you at events yeah. in Houston. I've seen you in Dallas. So you're, you two are two of the very few in Texas who go to things in multiple cities and you kind of, yeah, we chaired, you know, we chaired the, the contemporary museum gala in Houston. We chaired the ballet here in Dallas. Um, you know, Saron and I are chairing the, the children's ballet for Nutcracker this Christmas called the Sugar Plum Fairy Tea. That'll be an uh, interesting experience as two gay dads with eight, you know, 400 little girls and their moms in a room. But, you know, it's a great organization and I love, you know, it's fun to do things like that. So, yeah, we chaired lots of stuff. I've chaired First Look before for two by two. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's just part of your, you know, well, one, it kind of starts to feel like not, it's your, I don't want to say obligation, that's the wrong word, but a little bit of your duty. If you believe in these things and you want them to be great, then you put what power you have. Mine's just, you know, I call it, a, you know, I'm a dumbass kid from Wichita Falls, Texas, but I'm going to put what power I've got into whatever I can move the ball forward a little bit. So yeah, I think it's important to participate. Absolutely. Financially and personally. Absolutely. There is human capital. And we talk about this on this show all the yeah, time, that there's human, human capital, capital and good, financial yeah. capital, and they're both equally yeah. important. They are. And you can't do one without the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, yeah. you know, we, I was talking about how the, the event writes itself. You're actually, this oh. podcast is writing itself because you talked about <laughs> my next question, and that is first look. So you, you, what you all do with this event, so basically two by two is the main event. But two, Correct. unintended, two days before, there is an event called First Look. And that is really this way for people to actually have an opportunity to pre preview the art and auction items. So tell me how, you know, tell me about how First Look is different than the main night, but also how that helps add some buzz to the main event on Saturday. So First Look was an organic um, secondary growth strategy, right? We felt like you know, many moons ago when we added First Look, it was, let's see if other people also that love art, because we had a capacity allowance in the built in the tent structure. We just, we couldn't, the event couldn't get any bigger, right? And their house, because the art is hung in the home, the home can only handle so many people on flow to preview. So Cindy and Howard came up with First Look and we added it into the mix and it became a, 
a way to do a little bit bigger outreach, you know, to an additional 200 people. The ticket was, you know, $200 to $500 based on sponsorships and et cetera. It's moved around a lot. But when we did that, it, um, it allowed other people to come in and be a part. Um, you know, sarcastically, we always said it was the kids party, you know, when we started it. It was a great way to get a younger secondary audience, maybe people who couldn't afford the expensive tables or the expensive ticket to gala. That's where it started, but that's not what it ended up. It actually, and now I kind of see it as a giant sponsor thank you. Um, sponsors get to invite a broader ticket base for underwriting. So they can invite great clients or leadership within their corporation. It became a, a bigger sponsor benefit. Um, it's still a ticket sale, but a, more of a sponsor benefit eventually. And it's and now it moves around a lot. I we've we've used that party to garner interest. I mean, two years ago we did it in Highland Park Village and hung art and Fendi and Dior and Saron Salon and all kinds all stores up and down. And then people toured the entire center and had cocktails and and we had a little post wrap up and a little pre. It was fun, real fun. So we move it around a little bit. That's good. It also allows it to get out into the community and it also gives, you know, the yeah. host, Howard and Cindy Rachowski, a break of having to remove yeah. their art every yeah. year. They, they get they used to do chairs. The yeah, they <laughs> used to do chairs and they did. And I bet they'll do chairs again eventually. Um, I think next year, 25 years, I bet we have lots of chairs, you know, almost like a return supporting cast vibe. Um, but you know, it's, and Lisa and John Runyon have done a spectacular ad. Um, but, you know, it's it's a well-oiled machine and, you know, it's, you know, I like Cindy's my version of Anna Wintour, moving people around and making sure seating's right and making sure this person's table's right next to this person's table. And this buyer is close because that we've heard on the streets or through somebody they're interested in this artist and ding, ding, ding. So it's, there's nuances. Um, it's fascinating to watch. I don't actually do that part, but I love to watch her do that part. <laughs> well, it, it's always good to be a spectator. And I love watching that, especially when I go to stuff, you know, to kind of be yeah. kind of the eyes and ears and see what those are. And it's actually, it's actually a good lead into my next question too. And that is, you know, over the last 23 years, I want everyone to listen to this. This event has raised over $113 million, which is just <laughs> an incredible sum for something that is held at a person's home. And, mm -hmm. you know, how does two by two create such a compelling environment and a welcoming environment for donors to give that generously year after year after year? Well, so I think it's a it's the perfect soup, right? Like it's it's a recipe and you have you have a consummate host. Cindy and Howard are spectacular hosts. They are gracious about having it at their home every single year. Most people would get really resentful after a while, <laughs> but they're still incredibly gracious hosts. That's part of the recipe. Um, they're consistent with their deliverables, um, whether it's Dom Perignon or Veuve Clicquot, um, Thomas Keller's caviar for the first course. Um, the, the, the meal itself is top notch. The, the, the service spectacular, it, they maintain the integrity. They don't look at that even over 23 years with rising costs. They don't look at that and then go, let's 
boil this down to keep lowering the number. They never do that. They never do that. They, Cindy and Howard are great. They love to go to restaurants around the world and they bring back inspiration and they knock it out of the park every single time. And it, it's one of those things, it is what it is. You know, the cost is what the cost is to keep it the quality that the quality is. It is. So that's part of the soup. That's part of it. It's not all of it. Yeah. And I design a killer looking party every single year. That's part of it. <laughs> um, Absolutely. We have great entertainers. So there's an entertainment piece. And I would say the remainder of the soup is these spectacular artists who donate works. I mean, you just to go and have a Kelly and a Julian Schnabel and a Cy Twombly and a, you know, the artists are, you know, a Maria Bello, the, the artist and the numbers of pieces of work that are hanging, you just kind of walk around with your mouth open. Well, you know? it, it is. It's almost like being in a museum. And, you it know, is. like, and, you know, talk a little bit. You get bit. the chance to buy it. I know. You <laughs> really do. And, but, but I don't think what people realize is, you know, and I didn't hear this until, you know, your, your dear friend and my dear friend and, um, the publicist for this event, Suzanne Droz, was telling me yeah. Howard really is so actively involved in the auction process. Can you share a little bit about, you know, of how course. he goes about doing that and what that entails? Well, first of all, he and John, and they bring the girls along when they need extra firepower. But when all four of those people are in the room together with an artist striking a deal for a million dollar painting or whatever it may be, who's, which is donated, by the way, um, is is a is a magical thing to watch. I mean, they have really leaned in on relationship to continue these deliverables, and it's it's heavy. But what's I think is so cool to do is then when you see Howard in the room, Howard and John do what they call their picks. We call them buy it nows, um, and they list their up and coming emergent pieces as their anointment of this person's about to be big. And those pieces, when we started, used to have, a, they, they got a little action. Now, barely any of them are left, even when the party starts. Wow. And, like when and we moved to dinner, almost all of that's gone. Absolutely. So, and, well, and what I've heard is it's like 140 pieces. So like when I say like it's a museum, it's, I mean, it is, yeah. you could literally get lost all day and like, not that anyone ever would, but you could almost bypass it there and just literally be immersed in the art yeah. because there's so much of it. And, and, and interesting and, and, and wildly ranged prices. I mean, things from, you know, $2,500 all the way to, and some less than that sometimes all the way to millions. So it's always fascinating to me to watch one, the, the collection, two, Howard going up on stage as part of the auction team to move the live auction items. And then Howard personally, he and John walk the floor, every, walk every single floor, starting on the top floor of their house all the way to the first and walk every single floor and close out the floors personally. Wow. So they're really yeah. invested and it's, you know, mm -hmm. part of the success, you know, and I love hearing you talk about that because really part of the success, because it's it's really, it's a three-legged stool, any successful event. You've got to have a great production team, which they have in you. You've got to have, you know, organizations that really have heft and you've got that with Amfar and DMA, but you've also yeah. got to have chairs that are really, really, really committed. And 
invested. You know, the yeah. the got, are so connected. And they had to be great hostesses and hosts. I mean, we've had chairs of other events. I mean, I've always loved working on, but that doesn't mean the chairperson that was selected was a great host. They got selected, but they might be a little chilly or they might be a little off-put-ish or polarizing or, but you just, you, Cindy and Howard and John and Lisa are infectious individuals. And when you meet them, you, I think people actually want the event to be successful. So they are successful. So I think they're invested in the guests and the guests are invested in them. So I, it's a perfect storm to be well, Frank, I mean, they do a great job. Well, and you can totally, I mean, you can totally see and tell that. And I, I have a question for you, and this is maybe slightly off script, but you know, you brought it up. So I want to ask, what do all successful <laughs> event and party hosts have in common? <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, um, okay, so I think successful events try to stay within the brand of their product. So I'll, I'll give you a bad example. Um, this is hypothetical. Let's say, for example, you're a, um, you're a venue of music. I'll, you know, right? You do symphony, you're a symphony or an opera or whatever. And then you have a fundraiser that has absolutely nothing to do with music. An evening in Paris, and it's all about fake Eiffel Towers and dumb theatrical design. Right. The, the user is a little lost, right? The guest in the seat, I call him the butt in the seat, gets a little lost. It's like, why did I come to sponsor? Why did I come as a big part of fine music, orchestral arrangements, strings, etc.? And I'm sitting here having to listen to someone sing Oh Solo Meal was a right, you know, singing some French love song standing on a fake Eiffel Tower of Christmas lights. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and trust me, I do some of this proppy thing sometimes because I'm not the inevitable. I, I don't get the choice, right? If, but I say the best organizations that have the best tracker track record with their event maintain the integrity of the event as it meets the brand of the event. They don't change it every year. And one year it's French themed, and next year it's modern. And one year it's, you know, an evening in Africa and the next year, they don't ding dang the, they don't bounce around the concept. They stay focused on the reason and its purpose and, and maintain caliber and consistency of product. That's really and good. I, that I, to I, me, those are the best ones. The ones that bounce them around all the time. I think see people go, I'm tired of going to that or where they judge it independently. Like, that wasn't great. I'm not going to go back next year. So getting a return audience in the realm of charity is tough. And because they depend on the new blood of the chairmanship to bring in new users. Well, the goal is retention. You know, you don't want one offs. That's terrible for charity work. You don't want a hundred new people to come once spend and donate $200,000 and then they leave and you can't get anybody to come back. You want to retain those people so and build upon that the next year and build upon it the next year, build upon it the next year. You want to retain, not you're never going to get 100% retention, but it'd be nice to get 30 or 40%. Yeah, and, and get a good devoted 
you know, a devoted following because you need, you know, like yeah. we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, you have to have that mix of the usual suspects along with I never would have expected to see that person here. Person. And right. it, it just creates the, this added dimension and depth to the event that really, you know, allows it, you know, really allows it to shine. But, yeah. And, you know, we've always maintained a pretty modern, consistent, modern aesthetic for this job. Um, it'll move around a little bit, but it's typically always been relatively contemporary because the art is a contemporary collection. It would not behoove me to all of a sudden have like, we'll make the after parties a little crazy, you know, based on sponsorship, but the party's always been pretty contemporary in its aesthetic. Absolutely. Now um, let's talk, let's talk about, you know, um, uh, before we get to the after party, I do want to talk about that because I know that that really, as a creative person, I know that that's where you kind of get to go wild. But, you know, talk <laughs> a little bit about, you know, I know this year, you know, you always have the best musical headlining acts, you know, all throughout, yeah. you know, in Texas. So talk a little bit about who the performer is going to be this year, as well as kind of your your thoughts on how should an organization engage a celebrity or a musician to be involved with their event? Well, you know, that we lean on Amphar pretty heavily. Amphar has um, kind of more of a celebrity roster of people that like to participate with Amphar. Um, that's why they do Con and, of course, New York and the Big Show Vegas. They added Palm Beach this year. Um, with Kelly Clarkson, they've they've always had a pretty. They're they're the ones who bring that style of star power, um, and so this year is Jason Derulo, who is hilarious. And I don't know if you, he's a great performer and he's a great book of music. But my favorite thing about him, he is like a TikTok movie star <laughs> right now, which I barely even know how to spell TikTok, all six letters. But he is like, he is a he's the man when it comes to TikTok, he, it's crazy. And so it's gonna be fun to have something like him. Last year, Rita Ora, we've had, like you said, we've had lots of different styles of performers, but um, I think he'll be a lot of fun. Like I expect this to be, there's not gonna be a butt left in a seat when he's on stage. Absolutely. Diana Ross was like that. Well, I mean, it yeah. was like, she walked in the room and every single person stood up, you know? Well, you know what's interesting about that is it doesn't really matter the age of, of a performer. They can be mm -hmm. in their 70s. They can be in their 20s. If they bring it, the whole room senses it. And, you know, oh, yeah. sometimes people are like, well, should I get someone like Diana Ross who, you know, she had hits, you know, when we were kids, but she hasn't, you know, she she kind of does them as special, you know, special occasions. And it's like, absolutely, because if you've got it, you've got it and you never lose it. And when you come into There's that room, you feel it. And there is no show like Diana Ross. I mean, you would think at, you know, for somebody of her age being able to, you're like, I don't know, is it going to be good? That woman shines from behind, like it looked like an aura. And it is, <laughs> there is nothing better than watching her walk out on some sparkly caftan with that fabulous giant head hair and, and, and kill it. It just makes you, and not only that, I always say the best performers, you can almost karaoke. Right. Yeah. Like every person in the room is singing every song and out loud because you're like, I'm in a room singing out loud with a small group of people to Janet Jackson or Diana Ross or whomever it may be. It's a cool experience that not a lot of people get. So it's fun. You do. And I always like to say is, you know, it amazes me how people will spend all this money going to concerts. And it's like, 
you could actually experience something kind of in a bespoke experience with some really big names because lots of big names come to Texas now. It's like, yeah. if you want to go to a concert, go to a gala and get a yeah. tax deduction and really yeah. kind of be in this intimate space with international yeah. superstars. Do you realize most of these most of these acts donate their fees? I mean, that's the other thing. Like, not all not all charitable groups can get headliners because their fee structures are not small. You know, the world of the the world of large scale celebration. I mean, you know, you know what they say. There's more millionaires and billionaires now, so there's more people who can afford to pay somebody eight hundred thousand dollars to sing for forty five minutes that the, the, the market, let's just say, has opened or blossomed in that department. Yeah, absolutely. Which has really allowed a lot of these acts to, to extend their careers quite a bit in the realm of private. I mean, I mean, Earth, Wind & Fire is still playing privates. Yeah. Right? I've, I've heard and, them. I've heard them in a yeah. private party, and it's it's spectacular. They're fun. Um, but, but the, but they no longer do charitable works typically out of the kindness of their hearts. Right. Unless it's a charity that they are also very partnered with personally. Um, but otherwise it's a very expensive fee. And so it just decides whether you're going to underwrite it, i.e. someone pays for it um, directly, or if you're going to just expense it and hope to God, you're still bringing a nice 70 cents on the dollar minimum to the bottom line. <laughs> Absolutely. Important note, no more than 30% of the event budget, you know, make, make sure you're doing that. Set your budgets properly, people. Yeah. Yeah. Two by two has always been one of those remarkable jobs that delivers in the very low teens. And I'm always like, so their nets are spectacular. They're just, it's just one, of, it's a rarity. It's definitely not the norm. Absolutely. And we'll use we'll have clients who do charity work that we work for that use it as the comparative. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, very hard delivered project to do. It's its but, own thing. And Howard and Cindy have put almost a quarter of a century, you know, quarter of a century it, yeah. into it. And that, you know, that's a big, that's a big part of it. So, yeah. you know, I want to touch back on something you were talking about earlier. So you mentioned after party and two by two after party is off the hook. So talk a We're little bit about what, what guests will experience at that this year and how do you keep people there till 2 a.m.? Because a lot of times a gala ends, 80% of the audience leaves, 20% stays for the after party. That's not the case with 2 by 2 Well, and remember, 2 by 2 doesn't have a dance band in the dinner. It's a beautiful dinner. It's a spectacular short headliner performance with an auction. So we try to get them out and into the house to finish up silent so we can close silent around 11. So we run a pretty tight show in the main tent. We don't have the ubiquitous party band, you know, playing Lady Gaga hits in the, in the, in the dinner tent. We have recorded background music for dinner at a very low rate. It's a networking communication party. And we do the auction and we have the headliner piece and then we leave. So the really the only dancing we have is the after party. And so, and the after party is always an experiment. It's, it might be slightly skewed to the artist's integrity. Um, it might be a brand that's hosting the after party's look. Um, we might just do it for sheer fun, something stupid, crazy, just to change. I always say, if you don't change the environment, then people aren't interested to stay. 
it's parties have to have a little bit of a roller coaster vibe. So, you know, which means cocktails is cocktails, then you go up the ramp, then you go into the party and you come down the best part of the roller coaster. And then you're into the dinner, which is the click, 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 click back up. And then you go into headliner, which is a lot of fun. And then into auction. And then you go to the after party, which is your click, 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 click. You get to the after party, woo! And away you go, right? You know, it's got to have movement in the party or it just parties are bland, can get bland. Absolutely. I love the role. That, that's probably the best analogy of a party I've ever heard of. And for anyone, I apologize to anyone out there whose roller coasters terrifies them. But roller coasters also for a lot of people are fun. So think of it as a fun roller coaster ride, not a scary one. <laughs> all right. So I could talk with you all day, but I, I want to kind of end with one note. And I can't think of a better person to ask this than you. And that is, what is one piece of advice you would give to an organization looking to plan its first gala? I would say select a chair who believes in your product, whatever that product may be. Not, um, yes, they need to be social. Yes, they need to have a large circle of friends. It'd be great if they have corporate and community partnerships that would lead to your financial successes, but they really need to believe in your product. That's number one. And then number two, focus them on an aesthetic that meets your brand. If you're the corporation, the charity, et cetera, what's your brand? Focus on the brand and let them raise money, but do not let them throw a theme party just for the sake of throwing a theme party. Keep it on your brand. The messaging has to be right. When people walk out of an event, that's if you're a the, if you are actually representing the charitable group, you want them to walk away and go, I am so glad I gave my money to support this group that I got up and shaved my legs for this and bought a pretty dress, right? Like I, we got to be committed to the end result of the project. Not just like, eh, I didn't like the band and the food was cold. Can't be about the, it can't be about the items. It's got to, their walk away should be as hard of a heartstring tug as you can get towards the organization of which you're representing. That is the perfect, that is the perfect answer to end and a full mic drop, Todd. So I have had a blast with you on this and I hope that you will come back next year to talk about the 25th because there will be sure. lots to unpack for the 25th. Oh, it's going to be a whopper. Awesome. Well, Todd, thank you so much for joining you us. You bet. And, Pleasure. And the 24th annual Two by Two for AIDS and Art will be held on October 21st, 2023 in Dallas, Texas. For more information, please visit 2by2.org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care.